Susan. <laughs> Jordan. How are you? <laughs> I'm great. How are you? I am very well. We are, it's so odd. Usually we do this on the phone. So doing yeah. this right next to each other is, uh, I like it way better. But I mean, I, I usually say, thank you for getting on the phone with me. And now I'm not going to say that. So <laughs> how's your trip into New York? Yeah, it's been great. Cold? Very cold. Yeah, it's very cold. Very cold. But it's going to get a little warmer before I leave. So that'll be nice. No, it's been great. Great train ride up. Packed. A lot of people coming up here now. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's that time of the year. Season. Yeah. All right, so there are a couple things I want to talk about today. The first one being, and as you know, because I just told you before we started this, I just got tweeted at. Now, anytime someone says, I want to talk about something because I just got tweeted at, it's usually not going to be a good thing. But I think it's actually a really important discussion, and I want to get your opinion on it, and I want to just like, I think it's just an important discussion to have. So a, a nice woman tweeted at me, uh, a quote that basically said the secret to doing anything is believing that you can do it anything that you believe you can do strong enough you can do anything as long as you believe I responded I was like that quote is so true it's not even funny and then someone replied to that saying that quote is not true and that quote can produce frustration we must take care what we tell the people because we can make them unhappy I have never run 100 meters in less than two seconds, and I could never have run as much as I trained and believed in it, and I won't. And for me, obviously, and like I just said to you, just because you believe you can jump over the Empire State Building does not mean that you will actually be able to jump over the Empire State Building. If you, if you legitimately believe you can jump over the Empire State Building, you probably have some type of psychological disorder, clearly. <laughs> but... There's a massively important aspect to self-confidence and your belief in your ability to succeed that's not just, like, theoretical. Like, this is very clear in the research, very clear in the data, in that the more you believe in your ability to succeed, the more likely you actually are to succeed. Like, what do you think? Absolutely. And I think that comment is beyond nitpicky I mean I think it's not even it's not even making a valid I mean it's ridiculous it's extreme I guess it's extreme and there's you have to take stuff like that I mean if you're going to nitpick like that you're taking away what the true meaning of that quote is That's supposed exactly to be exactly right I mean it's, it's common sense of course you, me, Rico, none of us are going to run 100 meters in two... No one's going to run no in one, two seconds. No literally nobody. So that's extreme. That's ridiculous. It, it has nothing to do with that quote, as far as I'm concerned. The thing that I think is... and I, you, hit, you hit the nail on the head. The thing that I think people really need to understand is that if you don't believe in your ability to succeed in something that actually is possible then you are far less likely to actually do what you need to do mm -hmm. in order to achieve your goal. It's sort of like a self-fulfilling prophecy. If you don't believe that you can lose fat, that you can get stronger, that you can get healthier, then you're not going to wake up early to go to the gym if you think it's not going to work. You're not going to spend the extra time at the grocery store to find the healthier options because you don't think you're going to lose weight anyway. So what's the point? So yeah. what's the point? And this is where I think, yes, of course, you can't do literally anything in the world just because you believe in it. But we're not talking about literally doing anything in the world. We're, doing, we're talking about doing things that are legitimately possible. 
losing weight, getting mm-hmm. stronger, mm-hmm. being healthier. Like there's so, and that's why I think this quote is so important because it's not saying, Hey, I want you to believe in doing something that is outrageously outrageous. physiologically impossible. It's more just about how can we get people to legitimately believe in themselves? I think the word outrageous is perfect for that because that was, that response was outrageous. It's ridiculous and outrageous. And I think if you don't believe in yourself, then that perpetuates, like you said, you're not going to go to the grocery store and find the healthy options. You're not going to do your gym. You're not going to do any of that. And then that becomes your excuse. Uh, I'm just sitting there and spinning my wheels. And well, you know, it doesn't work for me. I love that one. I hear that all the time. It doesn't work for me. And what do you tell people when they say that doesn't work for me? Well, I think we, we have to dig deep and see why they're saying that, but it, it comes down to they really haven't tried it. You know, they haven't given anything a legitimate shot. Mm-hmm. And maybe the reason behind that is they don't believe that it's really going to work anyway. You know, subconsciously, it just, it's not going to work, so why do I bother even trying? So I think this is an important discussion because I know, like, you didn't always believe in yourself. Like, you didn't always think yeah. that it was going to be possible. Like, you, I mean, you have stories in which you've spoken about on your podcast yeah. and your social media where you would go to the doctor and you were hoping that they would tell you it was your age, that it was your metabolism, that it was whatever. Like, what do you know or remember or have any idea of what the turning point was in which, number one, you realized that you did have control over this stuff, and number two, that you actually started to believe in your ability to succeed? When I went to the doctor and she basically closed the door to my escape route you know of it's my metabolism saying all all of that was fine the tests don't lie and like she, no thyroid issues I, no, no metabolism i was fine issues. Got i was it. fine yeah. yeah i was fine um that started it were you initially frustrated when she said that yeah i didn't believe her i thought she was full of you're shit. like no no, no like yeah, there's got to be something there's got to be something wrong and we kind of we didn't go back and forth but i pushed back just a little um and i told her i don't get it I don't get it. And she just kind of looked at me and said, you know, you're probably just consuming a little too much. She was kind of nice about it. But Got it. Yeah, I yeah. mean, she kind of went down that road. I didn't want to hear that. And, and, um, it's actually what a great doctor in terms of like not saying, oh, it's the carbs or, oh, it's this. Oh like, no, she was, yeah, she, she knew my background yeah. and I think was very respectful of what I did. And, and literally I was crying in her office because I was humiliated that here I was a fitness professional and I couldn't get my shit together. Yeah. You know? Um, and I think she felt empathy for me yeah. in that, in that way. And I, and so she, she, she was great. I really enjoyed having her, but she turned that around and I had to sit with that for a while. Like it, it wasn't a switch. I went home and said, Oh, great. Okay. I mean, it was not long after that, that you and I started. Mm-hmm. And I, during, between those two times, I did start to switch things up, not tracking, not doing anything outrageous, just being a little bit more aware and trying to put some things under control and um, had lost a little bit of weight. I mean, I started seeing some progress. So it, it, was, it was a process over time, but I was probably pissed for a week. So what did you start doing? So you get back from that meeting, like you, she tells you you're probably eating a little bit too much. Did you start calorie counting? Like no. what, what did you start doing? I didn't do anything for a week probably nothing <laughs> so you did nothing for a week same thing did the same thing nothing was working no, same I did my normal whatever you know yep. it, 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 nothing changed um, and of course nothing changed right <laughs> you know nothing was changing so my diet didn't change I didn't change um, and I was still working my butt off in the gym and that was a whole separate issue of overtraining and all that kind of stuff so I, I was doing that whole pattern again and 
I looked down at myself. I kept looking down at myself in the mirror in the bathroom. I just know what the hell, you know, I, I've got to change something. So I started portion control um, a little bit, you know, like I wasn't weighing and measuring stuff. I yeah. never got, I really never did a lot of that um, until later, but uh, just ate a little less and was a little bit more aware of, of quantity more than anything. Do you remember like how, like in what way you were more aware of it? Um, when we would eat at home, how much I put, I, I, how much I put on my plate. So put you know? less on your plate. Yeah. You just notice, yeah. okay, so usually the plate's it, full, so now there's a little bit so more This is so elementary sounding. Yeah. No, but it's so important. It, it, but it works. <laughs> yeah. So you started putting less on your yeah, plate. And yeah. then, and then you started to see progress. And yeah, a little bit. And it was so, it was slow. But, um, my workouts, I kept going to the gym, crazy amounts of time, crazy amounts of volume there. That never changed. That was still Because the, the workouts were never really your issue. No. You, li- you liked working out. I, right? I loved working out, but there was a fear driving all of that, too. That was a whole separate right. thing. But, um, yeah, I, re- I liked it. I mean, it, that was okay. But I didn't want to track because in my head, tracking was cumbersome. It yeah. was taking the fun out of eating and the fun out of life. And who wants to, I'm not a math person. I don't want to add numbers. I mean, <laughs> I just went through that whole stupid list of excuses I was whining I yeah I didn't want to do it and um you know I didn't and it wasn't until you and I started working together and literally um I'm in this chapter in the book that I'm writing right now yeah I'm right at this point and I I I talk about how I never I didn't come to for nutrition it was just training powerlifting actually it was just powerlifting and but I read everything that you wrote, everything. <laughs> I watched every video I did, and I started making mental notes, and I just started implementing some things, and that's where it really started. And then conversations we would have. Got it. Yeah, and then, then I would follow some of the, I joined the inner circle too right away, and I would follow some of those monthly nutrition it, guidelines too to give me a little more structure. Yep. And that's where- Oh yeah, where the intermittent fasting protocol worked well for that, you, right? Yeah, that, that alternating week of that. Yeah, and, yeah. And look how, that was, that really was what took everything to the next level for me. That's so, so, so this is actually super interesting. And I think what it shows is it goes back to the model that we talk about for motivation. People are like, well, how do I get motivated to do something? It's like you don't just randomly get motivated. You have to take action first. From the action, then you'll see results. And then from the results, then you get motivated. And that's what you did. Well, actually, at first, you went to the doctor, and she like told you what you didn't want to hear. Yeah. And then you were like, well, fuck it. And you didn't yeah. do anything for a week. But then slowly, you started taking more steps, just starting with literally putting less on your plate. Yeah, literally. That's it. And slowly from there, then started to see a little bit of progress. It was slow. Then doing more, another action, another action, another action, until all of a sudden you're seeing the results that you wanted to see, and they started to steamroll because you were taking more action. Yeah. It's, it, it's really incredible. And, and then what happens is the more action you take, the more results you see, the more motivated you get, the more you believe in yourself. That's exactly what was happening. And especially after that intermittent fasting month that we did in the inner circle that time. Yeah. yeah. Because I never thought I would ever survive. People thought I was nuts surviving <laughs> on that week of 900 characters. It wasn't even a full week. It was like a couple days of super low, kind of low. I mean, it went up through the course of the week and then intermittent fasting week yep. with the higher calories. That, that whole protocol, I've never done anything. At that point, I had never done yeah. anything like that. And people are like, you're eating, what, 900, <laughs> 900 calories? You know? And I survived, you know, I did it. Right. And that's exactly what that was. Wow, I did two days of this. I feel amazing. 
Now I get to eat a little bit more. And then when the intermittent fasting week came, the calories were higher. And it was like, this was a freaking feast. Yeah. You know, I mean, it was just, yeah, it was that snowball effect. You know, it, you start seeing the results. You feel great. You had more energy. Yeah. That brings up a really interesting point about like rapid fat loss protocols. Because I know a lot of people are just always like rapid fat loss is always bad, always bad. And I would say generally for people who struggle with disordered eating habits, binge eating habits, I would not recommend they do anything rapid fat loss related ever. Um, but especially if you're someone who is more or less struggling with the belief in your ability to succeed, not because you struggle with binge eating or because you struggle with disordered eating, but because you're just at a point in your life in which you feel like you've tried everything and nothing has worked. There's actually a great amount of research supporting very brief periods of rapid fat loss protocols specifically for the purpose of showing you that you can do it. And because when once you show, once you see those results, then you believe in yourself enough to take more action in a sustainable way that will allow you to lose more weight sustainably rather than trying to stick to a rapid fat loss protocol forever, which is where people really go along with it, go, go wrong with rapid fat losses. They'll try and do it. They'll do really well for a week, and they'll be like, oh, I'll do it for another week, and then another week, and then another week, and then they binge, and they have issues from that. But even something as simple as two, three, four days on a rapid fat loss protocol, again, not if you have disordered eating, mm -hmm. not if you have binge eating, not if you struggle, like not if you have a very low body fat percentage. I don't think it's worth it then either because your risk of losing muscle mass is too high. But if you have a lot of body fat to lose and you're at a point where you just don't believe in yourself, a lot of times you don't believe in yourself and then through not believing in yourself, you're not taking action. And that's yeah. really where this whole thing starts is when you don't believe in your ability to succeed, you're not going to do the things that will allow you to succeed. Yeah. You're not going to eat fewer calories. You're not going to work out. You're not going to get enough sleep. You're not going to do the things that you need to do. And when that's your habitual routine, then of course you're not going to believe in yourself because you're not going to make any progress. You're not going to get out of it. I think the thing it did for me the most, and <clears throat> I've talked to a lot of our inner circle members and, and, people out on Instagram about rapid fat loss protocol and to me one of the main benefits of it especially for me was it forced me to plan yes because there's so few calories you cannot wing that that's right <laughs> you you can't so you have and the to. combination of so few plus enough protein yes and so literally I was sitting down with a piece of paper and trying to figure out okay I'm gonna I wanted to have three quote meals, mm -hmm. and they all look very different. And that was a whole nother thing for me is redefining what a meal is. Yeah. Because my generation, it was sit down at the table and you had, you know, <laughs> the, you know you, I mean, that was the meal. Yeah. Well, the word meal doesn't mean that when you're on 900 calories or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but it forced me to plan if I wanted three meals and even two snacks or whatever you want to call it, um, I had to write it, I had to figure this out. Um, the night before, or I would, would never have survived that. I mean, it would never have happened. Right. And I think the benefit of that is significant moving forward because planning, you know, we talk about this all the time, planning is so important. Um, instead of just winging it from meal to meal and trying to figure out what you're going to eat and how many calories and, mm -hmm. you know, the planning component was massively helpful. And it's so interesting. You tell someone, hey, I want you to eat 1,800 calories they oftentimes don't feel the need to plan for it. They're like, mm -hmm. okay, cool, like that's enough, like I can sort of, I can wing it. You tell someone, hey, it's gonna be a 900 calorie day, they're like, okay, cool, like I need to really figure out how I'm gonna do this. And this is where I think we really have to understand the, the difference between 
physiology and psychology, right? Where it's like, if you're not doing what you need to do on a consistent basis, as a coach, our job is to figure out what can we have them do that will spark that desire to Mm -hmm. do what they need to do. Now, I would never, ever in my life tell anybody, yeah, you should eat 900 calories a day forever. That's ridiculous. It's dangerous. I wouldn't tell someone to do that for a month. I wouldn't tell someone to do that for three weeks straight. I wouldn't. But if telling someone, hey, one day a week for the next month, so four total days, you're going to have one day a week in which you eat 900 calories, which, by the way, some people are going to hear that and be like, oh, my God, how dare you? It's like, listen, there is an outrageous amount of research supporting full day fast for 24 hours, 48 hours, 72 hours. It's like eating 900 calories for one day is not going to hurt your metabolism or harm you at all. People do way more and are totally fine and healthy. There's actually a lot, of, a lot of benefit to it. Again, not if you struggle with binge eating or disordered eating, but if you're struggling to do what you need to do and you have more body fat to lose. So from a coaching perspective, thinking, okay, so if, if we have them on a more quote-unquote flexible dieting approach, which is like we have 1,800 calories a day, and they're just not doing it, and they're winging it, and they're not being strategic enough, and they're not planning enough, saying, hey, I want you to have one day where you have 900 calories. They're, okay, wow. Okay, oh, now I need a plan. Yeah. Then after that month where they have four low-calorie days, number one, they've developed the skills to understand which foods are lower calorie, to develop the skills to know which foods are going to fill them up more, What to develop the skills to know which foods are higher protein. Mm-hmm. It's one of the things where I said this recently. It might have even been with you. I was talking about why I would never not tell someone to do keto. And it was basically on the, along the lines of – because even if it doesn't work for you long-term, I've never met a single person who've done, who's done keto who had trouble finding high-protein foods. Same thing with rapid fat loss protocol. I've never met a single person who's done a rapid fat loss protocol properly who has then transitioned into a more flexible dieting approach who struggled to get enough protein in yeah. because you're required to find those low-calorie, high-protein foods that a lot of times you just don't go out of your way to find unless you're put in a situation in which you need to. And I think it's really important to just reiterate over and over again because there are going to be people who don't understand. Number one, rapid fat loss isn't for everybody. Mm. Definitely not for people who struggle with binge eating. Definitely not for people who struggle with disordered eating and not for people who have a very, very low body fat percentage because you're more likely to lose muscle mass. But for the people who struggle to take action, period, who have a lot of body fat to lose or more body fat to lose, it might actually be very beneficial for a very brief period of time if for no other reason, like you said, it gets you to take action. Mm -hmm. It gets you to plan. And then from that, you see results. And from those results, you get motivated. And from that motivation, you believe in yourself. Yeah, I think that I think that's such a great benefit of rapid fat loss is just the skills that you're going to get as a result from doing it. Not so much from, "Ooh, I'm going to drop weight." Exactly. You know, because I think people will hop on board something like that with that in mind. Yes. And I think that's not the reason to hop on board with that is is to get yourself organized, to get yourself educated, to get yourself, you know, in a better planning state. That's exactly the, that's the problem that coaches face is everybody knows generally what to do. Yeah. But why aren't they doing it? Yeah. People know they want to work out. People know they want to eat healthier, but why aren't they doing it? And I think as a coach, your job is to figure out how can I come up with strategies to help people do what they actually want to do. And they're actually feeling guilty for not doing it in the first place. And one way of many 
is specifically taking things to an extreme just so that they feel like, okay, I've got to do this to an extreme for a brief period of time. So then you can pull them away. And then also setting up the boundaries and expectations saying, hey, this rapid fast protocol is for a day or for three days. Mm -hmm. That's it. Mm -hmm. This is not, you're not going to do this for a week. It's not about trying to lose as much weight as possible on the scale. This is purely done for the purpose of I'm going to challenge you to make sure that you are actually planning because as cliche and as obnoxious as it sounds, if you're not planning, then you're planning to fail. Yeah. Right. Which is a, yeah. a I hate that saying, but it's so true. Yeah, it is. If you aren't planning, you are planning to fail. And sometimes every, even though you know that people still aren't doing it. So how do we get them to do it? So we're going to take them through a challenge in which mm -hmm. they're forced to. And then from there, they're way better off long-term. And that just coordinate, I mean, I know we both do this and we've done this with inner circle members too. And that is people that are struggling in some way like that, give them a short challenge of a day exactly, or two days or whatever, or whatever they're struggling with to nail that for a day or two days. And then at the end of those, that challenge, let's add another day and let's add another day. That's right. Um, and, and with rapid fat loss, we're not gonna keep adding days, but the point being that you can feel successful, you can feel confident, your whole mindset can shift and self-belief, which kind of circles all the way back to believing in yourself. That was one of the main points behind the calorie cycling yeah. challenge, which yeah. is literally just like, as you and I have said 100,000 times, that challenge has all of the information that challenge is publicly available. But sometimes people need to invest in something in order to really mm -hmm. believe in themselves, in order to come up with enough of a reason to do what it is they know they needed to know they need to do. The amount of people who joined that challenge who were like, honestly, I've seen you post about this for years, <laughs> but I've never done it, and finally this is the first time in my life I've actually taken taken action, is the exact reason that we decided to do it is because you can know exactly what to do for yeah. years and years and years, but sometimes you just aren't motivated enough to do it. And the first way, like we said a million times, to get motivated is to first take an action. action. Yeah. And whether that's action, the action is joining a program, either, whether it, I don't care whose program it is, join someone's program because that's the whole thing. And that's one of the things that we talk about with the inner circle. The inner circle, like the workouts, the nutrition, like it's not magical. No. It, it's not like that stuff is inherently better than every other program in the world. The reason that we like it is because obviously it's ours, but m whether or not you join the inner circle, it's more about just join something, have some form of accountability, have some form of, a, of an investment. People are like, I don't have the money in order to, to work out. I don't have the money in order to eat healthy. I don't have the money in order to achieve my goals. It's like that mindset will prevent you from achieving your goals. Ever. Not because you don't have the money to do <laughs> yep. it, but because you're not willing to invest in it. And and believe me when I say I grew up in a very, very, very poor household, single mother household. I did not have a lot of money. I worked three jobs in college. Uh, none of that prevents you from working out in your apartment, from mm -hmm. working out at home. Like, th I think the whole conversation of, of food availability is a really important one. Some people live in areas in which they don't have healthy food around them in a nearby area, and that's a very important discussion. But I also know, I mean, I've had clients who literally single parents, they work two or three jobs. I, have, mm -hmm. I had a client who took a, 
a, a late night job as a janitor on top of this to a full-time job in order to pay for coaching. And in his words, he said, I need to pay because I offered him discounts. He's like, I don't want a discount. He's like, I need to pay for this. I need the full price in order for me to actually take action. And I think it's really important to remember this because when you look at it as not paying for something but investing in something, that you actually tend to value it much more and you have the opportunity to give yourself the greatest possibility for success. I totally agree with that. You know, the, the phrase skin in the game, you yes, know, exactly. is what it is. And I think as much as maybe some of it, some people think they don't need to have skin in the game to, to really follow through. And some people maybe not, but I think most humans probably need some sort of something. A hundred percent. You know, I think we all need, like, that's why coaches need coaches. And that's, you know, I mean, we, we all need some sort of accountability, some sort of structure or whatever. And, and the whole money thing, you know, just, just like you said, the, the, um, there's nothing that prevents anybody from going back and forth and doing sets of squats and push-ups in, in your house. That's exactly and, right. And, you know, I bring up Mike right now because I literally, right before we went on, I sent him three little quick less than 10-minute circuits he can do in his apartment during Mike exams. Mike is your son. Just yeah. My, Mike is my the son. The sweetest who, by kid the way, in the world. He, he's, he's, he's great. And he, by the way, just lost 40 pounds all on his own. He has tracked not one thing. He has done nothing but become more aware of what he's eating, um, make better choices about what he's eating, and still staying as active as he can as a college student. I'm glad you brought him up because last night, this, I, I have to tell the story because I think it was great. I'm sitting next to Susan last night. We're doing work. We're setting out the inner circle for, for January 2020. And Mike, her son, sends her a text. What time was that? Like 7 p.m.? Yeah, something like that. 7 p.m. Just being like, hey, mom, it's finals week. I don't have a lot of time to, to get workouts in. Could you send me a five-minute workout? A five-minute workout. And I got chills when she read that out loud. And I was like, number one, you have to make an Instagram post on that because like, it's going to be super helpful. But it just goes to show you, it doesn't matter what you have available to you. It doesn't matter what time constraints you have. It doesn't matter. Like, it, like All that stuff matters. Of course it does. It's a poor phrasing. It matters. But it doesn't prevent you prevent. Mm -hmm. from doing yeah. something. Yeah. And I think a lot of the times, and this all goes back to the original discussion of belief in yourself. Yes. A lot of times people won't do something because they believe that whatever something they can do isn't enough. And the thing that we're trying to get across here is that, as cliche as it sounds, yeah. something is always better than nothing, even if it's a five-minute workout. Yes. And that five-minute workout could be the action that you take that starts that whole ball rolling exactly you know, that little thing that you maybe would have thought makes zero difference in a big picture makes a big difference in a big picture if you go back to what you were saying earlier you your first action was put less food on your plate yeah <laughs> yeah that's it yeah that's put less food you didn't say i changed the food i was eating you didn't no. say i focused more on like vegetables you didn't say i like had less carbs all you said was i had less food on my plate mm -hmm. and you were like it's even elementary yes it is elementary yeah. and that's what makes it so doable yeah i just think most people are fooled by this illusion of complexity that there has to be the right amount of carbs the right amount of insulin yeah. response the right glycemic load <laughs> and it's like listen just fucking yeah. do something right. the most element i don't care if it's put less food on your plate and walk an extra 10 minutes a day yeah that's fucking plenty to yeah. start with i've never tracked a carb in my entire life yeah. ever <laughs> <laughs> and i don't ever plan to yeah i mean I, I, 
I can't imagine a time in my life where I would have to do that. Yeah. It, it, it doesn't have to be that complicated. But I will say this, that's what I used to think. I mean, rewinding that clock, that's why I would never track stuff because I thought that's what it was going to be. You know, and it was, everyone was dealing in percentages. And God, I hate percentages. I don't know how percentages work. I don't either. I was absent <laughs> from school that day. <laughs> I swear to God, I must have been. I st I still ask Mike what percentage. Is yeah, it? I I'm don't awful know. With it. And so that drives me insane. You don't have to do that if your goal is just fat, you know if you're competing and stuff. Whatever, that's a different scenario potentially. But for someone that just wants to lose fat, <laughs> you don't have to do all of that. You and really don't. No, and and I think the more that you can keep things simple, the more you will be maybe more likely to take action and and then do that over and over and over and the whole purpose of, of this discussion is literally just to get you to believe in yourself more right because if you're one of the people who I was just messaging with someone who is she's a single mom she has three kids she was saying how she doesn't have enough time for herself it's like I get that. I mean, I'm not a single mom. My mom is a single mom. She has two kids. She worked many full-time jobs. Like, I didn't even know when I was a kid about it. But I very much understand how in that scenario it's much harder and more difficult than someone who is not in that situation and maybe has more money, more free time. Of course, mm -hmm. it's, it's way harder. But what you have to pay attention to is are you using – it being harder as a justification mm -hmm. for doing nothing. Mm -hmm. Not saying you have to go to the gym for two hours a day, four or five days a week mm -hmm. in order to, that's not what we're saying at all. What we are saying is that doing a five minute workout is beneficial mm -hmm. and it is still worthwhile and it will still help you move one step closer towards your goals. And if you're doing nothing because you're saying life is too hard or because you don't have enough time, that isn't a valid justification for not taking five minutes to do something because you don't believe that it's going to be effective and the reality is it will be effective mm -hmm. you just have to do it yeah it's just one step at a time i think we kind of jump to the end you know and and think well how is this five minutes going to get me way down here it's exactly you know, I, right. I, I don't think we we totally it's like we're here or we're here we're there's a whole lot in the middle and we have to slowly get there we're not going to get there overnight anyway i mean no matter what you do and if you don't have time to drive to the gym and do your little workout and drive home, I mean, most people don't have a chunk of time to give to that. And the great news is you don't have to have it. That's right. <laughs> That's exactly right. So to switch topics and gears, and it might play out in a similar way, um, I wanted to ask you what are like one or two of the most common mistakes that you either see your clients making or people on, on social media making? Like, what are some of the more common ones that you see? I had an interesting conversation with a client just recently. We were talking about her nutrition, and she has a new job, and so she's on the road a lot, and so we're trying to figure out some go-tos for her and to make things a little bit easier for her. And so we were talking, I asked her, what are you eating for breakfast? And she told me, and she has that down, working really, really well. Good breakfast. Good breakfast. What do you have for lunch? And there was silence. And then, a, uh, eh, eh, eh. And, <laughs> and she finally said, you know what? I'm not eating lunch. I said, so what are you doing? She goes, I am kind of just grazing on things for. Did she tell you what things? Not, I think it was more snacky things. I don't think she listed anything specific, but 
calorie-laden things, but things that aren't filling her up because she said by the time evening comes, she was really hungry. Yeah, yeah. And so, but she ha it hadn't even really registered with her until we went through this that she's not eating lunch. In her head, she's eating lunch. Yes. You yeah. know, the handful of this and a little bit of this. I'm going to snack on this, little snack crackers, whatever they are. Um, we're adding up in calories. That's one thing. And we're not keeping her full. That's another thing. Mm -hmm. So that led to, at the evening, boy, I'm starving. <laughs> you know? And then there's dinner plus. And that, it was just really interesting. It was a light bulb moment for her. Oh, my God, I'm not really eating lunch so then we talked about what kind of things could she make for lunch that would be easy for her in her job and how she's on the road and that kind of thing because she travels a well, lot. Well so this is interesting so she's not eating lunch she's like grazing on some calorie dense options that aren't filling her up why is this bad? She was never hitting her calorie goal. She was going too low? She was no she was eating she was actually eating more calories because of what she was snacking on were so Hot, you know, snacky like chips or, or crackers or things like that. Not that many of them, but enough where it would actually be too many calories. Yeah, yeah. And then when she got home and she was ravenous. She, could, she couldn't understand probably. I mean, we didn't talk about this, but my guess is she wasn't understanding why am I so hungry? You know, I ate right. all this. It seems like you're eating a lot, but from the satiety point of view, you're not. Right. You know, you're not eating a lot to keep you full. So in her head, she's eating a lot. She, why am I so hungry here? But the reality is, you really aren't eating. And then would she have a huge dinner just to make up for it because she was yeah, so hungry? She would ha yeah, and then maybe even something after dinner, you know, because of that. I mean, it just kind of got a little bit, went to hell in a handbasket, basically. This, this topic is very interesting to me, and I think it's really important, actually, with the rise of intermittent fasting, it, it gets a lot of times pushed under the rug and misunderstood. A lot of times people... In this, in this situation, it doesn't sound like it was deliberate, like she thought she was eating lunch, but a lot of people think it's a really good idea to save calories. Yeah. Right? To save, yeah. well, you know, I'll, I'll eat fewer, I'll eat less here mm -hmm. so I can have more later. Mm -hmm. The issue being that later, they're ravenous. Yes. They're starving. Yes. They're, they cannot wait to eat. Yes. And then they'll go right, they'll go in, and oftentimes when you're ravenous and you're starving, you're super hungry, you won't stop. Yeah. And you go, and that's oftentimes how binge eating gets really, really late, how, how it perpetuates because you develop this habit of eating not only way too much, but way too quickly. Yes, that's huge. That's where I think a lot of people, you hear like, eat more slowly. And people are like, well, hold on. I eat so fast. I'm like, well, why are you eating so fast? Because they're waiting until they get to a point in which they're so fucking starving yeah. that they can't help but eat quickly. Right. And I think it's one of the things where, if you were to, instead of saving calories in order to eat as much as you possibly can, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. instead of that, actually eating a little bit more frequently and sort of getting ahead of your hunger, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. eating just before you get to be hungry, then you'll be able to eat more. Like, if you're full, you don't eat quickly because yeah. you're full. Yeah, amen. So if you <laughs> eat a little bit before you know, and this is knowing the benefit of your hunger hormones, which we'll talk about in a second, but if you eat before you're really hungry, then you, number one, allow yourself to eat more slowly, which will allow yourself to give your hunger hormones more time to catch up so you feel more full. But if you are waiting to then eat as much as possible, then you're gonna eat so fast, so quickly, so much, that you'll blow past your calories and still be hungry yeah. because you waited until that point. Yeah. 
You don't give, you need to give your brain time to understand what's happening right. as you shovel down food. And when you're that hungry, you don't, you just keep. That's right. You know, and cause when you eat slowly, you, your, your brain goes, oh, I got food now. You know, your stomach can feel it. I mean, it, it all registers everywhere. That's right. But when you shovel it in, no. I mean, you, you don't. And, and I think that's a huge problem. And, and honestly, the, that I have to catch myself even now sometimes, but years ago, that was a big issue eating too fast. Like I needed to slow down. Yeah. Um, and I think that's just in general, a good rule for everyone. I always hated the advice, eat more slowly. Yes. <laughs> just like I hate the advice, eat less. Yes. Because it doesn't actually practically help. Yeah. Like obviously, yes eat less, move more if you want to lose fat. Yeah. But okay, cool. How? Now what? How do I deal with the psychological aspect? How do I deal with the hunger aspect? How, X, Y, and Z. I've always hated the, the advice of eat more slowly. Cool. So how do we eat more slowly? If you're waiting until you're hungry to eat, you are making it significantly harder on yourself to eat slowly. Mm -hmm. One of the best pieces of advice that I can give on how to eat more slowly is to not save your calories until you're starving yeah. because you will make it dramatically more difficult to eat slowly. Yeah. If you, and, and that's where, listen, I don't care if you do intermittent fasting. I don't care if you eat six meals a day. I don't care if you have 17 meals a day. It doesn't bother me, whatever you choose, whatever works for you. But if you're struggling, with massive amounts of hunger, if you're struggling with, with binge eating, if you're struggling with this, then I very much recommend eating more frequently throughout the day to prevent that either late night binge, late night going crazy mm -hmm. eating, and to prevent the, the very common issue people struggle with, which is eating way too quickly and well past the point of discomfort then after that. Yeah, well, and let me put this out there too, that a lot of people kind of come back with, well, my job, I, you know, I'm on the road or I'm doing this and it's really hard to find something that's, you know, filling or satisfying or whatever. And it goes back to what you said and what I say all the time. Okay, good. It's hard. I get it. It is, but it's not impossible. You have to put in some time and effort behind that to find that, that's that right. what will work for you. I mean, that's, so this is your situation. Okay, so now what are you going to do with that? That's right. You know, I mean, it comes back. So it is possible, and it's just a matter of trying out some stuff, throwing out some ideas, but try to find things that will not keep you hungry all day long, and then you get home, and it's like, you know, all hell breaks loose. That's you know, right. And you just start shoveling it in. God forbid, make a plan. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. if you know, like, we can talk about hunger hormones now, right? Yeah. So generally... One of the ways that I like to explain how this works is your hunger hormones work on a schedule, Yeah. right? So it's like at certain times throughout the day, if you eat habitually, then your hunger, you'll start to feel hungry at the same times every day, which is one of the reasons why I think it's really important to have a, a schedule of when you eat because then you can essentially predict when you're going to feel hungry. Yeah. One of the ways you know this works is you go to a big holiday dinner, a big birthday party, you have a huge amount of food, you eat a ton, and literally you're stuffed. You're like, there's no way I'm going to eat for a month. <laughs> yeah. And then four hours later, you're hungry. And yeah, you're like, yeah, what yeah. the fuck? Like, yeah. I just ate <laughs> enough for a fully grown mountain troll. Why yeah. in the hell am I, am I hungry? hungry? Yeah. And it's because your hunger hormones work on a schedule. Yeah. So if you're eating randomly throughout the day, you're making it very hard to know when you're going to be hungry because it's all scattered. So make that schedule, make that 
uh, routine so you can predict when you're going to be hungry. Yeah. And from there, then you can say, okay, so I know I generally have my meals at 8 a.m., 12 p.m., 5 p.m., and then something again at 9 p.m., mm -hmm. right? So if you know 8, 12, 5, 9, then maybe having um, – Hey, maybe so if you're gonna have your lunch at 12, have like a small thing of Greek yogurt at 11:30. Mm -hmm. If you know you're gonna have dinner at five, maybe try having a protein shake at four. Mm -hmm. If you're gonna have something at nine, maybe try having uh, like a, a small salad, or maybe try having some type of fruit or another protein thing before you have that final thing. Now you're essentially just you're preemptively you're front loading your meals with something small but also filling and nutrient dense so that when you go to that meal even if it's even if it's the nine o'clock if it's dessert you preload that dessert with something just to make sure you're full so you're not going to be craving more and more of it after yeah that and you you had a post and i know i've shared that too where it, it it's like if you're trying to lose fat you preempt a meal with a protein shake or exactly. if you're trying to bulk you have it after kind of before and after yep and that is so incredibly simple but so helpful yep absolutely and i've done both of those yeah <laughs> i'm on the second one now i'm adding a shake but it it's so helpful it changes everything and and regarding the hunger hormones when i first started doing intermittent fasting they really took a hit i mean they had to shift and it took yes a while to adapt so if anybody's ever tried it don't give up after a day it usually it takes two. about like two to three yeah. weeks depending yeah. on the individual like yeah two, and like that's difficult yeah <laughs> it's really difficult but it settles in you exactly. know but it's really interesting because you can you, we all have our kind of natural times when we eat exactly and, and everything happens so pay attention to that and just to clarify, just for, for anyone who hasn't seen that post, one of my one of my favorite tricks if you're struggling with fat loss, before each meal, have a protein shake. Yeah. If you're struggling with building muscle and eating <laughs> enough calories, have a protein shake after every meal. This way, for fat loss, the protein shake before every meal will you'll make you'll you'll be more full, so you eat less. Yeah. And if you're struggling to eat enough for mass gain, then when you're required to have a protein shake after the meal, you'll eat more. And for everybody who gets really pissed off with this and says, you're at three protein shakes a day. Are you out of your mind? <laughs> cool. Have a, some Greek yogurt. Yeah. Have, I don't know, grilled chicken. Have a grilled chicken salad. Have some salmon. I don't give a fuck. All I'm saying is have some protein prior to your meal yeah. so that you are more full when you go into your meal. Yeah. Just basically what you said before. Just front load it. Exactly. With something. That's it. <laughs> well, Susan, where can people find you on social media? <laughs> They can find me on Instagram at Susan Ebergall Fitness on YouTube, Susan Ebergall Fitness. We're noticing a theme here. <laughs> How do you spell okay. it just so people yes. can find it? That's the tricky part. So Susan, S-U-S-A-N, and then Niebergall, N-I-E-B-E-R-G-A-L-L. It's Susan Ebergall Fitness, like, everywhere. Amazing. Well, Susan, thank you for coming on. I love you. I love you, too. I hope you enjoyed the episode. If you have any questions or comments, let us know. And if you did enjoy it, please leave a rating on iTunes because they've been helping a lot. So huge thank you to everyone who's done that. Have a wonderful day. Talk to you soon.